Hello and welcome to the Elskavon podcast. My name is Chris Bartels. I'm from Minneapolis and I write and release music under a few different project names, including Bora York, Blurstem under my own name, and Elskavon. I'm so glad and so grateful that you're here. Okay, this is happening. Episode two, we're not one and done here for the Elskavon podcast. Hey, if you listened to the first episode, for those that have reached out and said you enjoyed it or were inspired by it, that really meant a lot to me. You know, I'm just sort of winging it here as I go with this. So I really, really appreciate your ears and your support. Um, I want to also say a huge thank you for those of you that have ordered a Skylight vinyl record. If you didn't know about this yet, I'm pressing an Elskavon album to vinyl for the first time. And it's a 40-day crowdfunded campaign, meaning you can order a copy now. And then at the end of the campaign, uh, the pressing will start. And then uh, soon after that, shipping them out. As of now, we have 25 days left. We've got 48 out of 100 orders. So if you're interested, I'll put the campaign link in the show notes. Uh, check that out. Grab a record if you'd like. One fun thing about the vinyl pressing is that I'm going to be giving away uh, two bonus tracks for those that purchased the album. What I did was go back into my demos folder uh, for the album when I was writing Skylight from a couple years ago. With 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 every album I do, I have a, a demos folder, um, and it sen- sometimes ends up being over 50 tracks or so that I that I started writing and recording. Um, some of them are just simple ideas, 10% done. Some of them are um, close to finished and they just didn't make uh, the album cut. But anyways, when I went back into that folder and pulled up some of these tracks, I had started and just didn't finish, um, or I just didn't feel they were the right fit for the album. Um, I picked uh, two out that I really liked actually uh, after going back in and, and listening through and I finished those up recently, remixed them. Uh, mastered them and um, those have become the bonus tracks for um, Skylight Vinyl purchases um, Skylight B-Sides I suppose um, but it was cool going back to to check out some of those old demos sometimes I don't even remember them at all so it's just like it's, like, it's almost like starting fresh um, but not on a totally blank canvas there's already a good um, amount sketched out I guess and then I, I just kind of took that and, and ran with it so anyways, you can hear a glimpse of one of those uh, tracks playing in the background right now. So these will only be available through or with a, a vinyl purchase. Just as a little extra thank you for those of you that order a record. One other quick thing I wanted to mention is that uh, my friend Ethan, who is a... He and his wife own a design photography company called Half Acre House here in Minneapolis. And he and I are going to be uh, launching a little audio sample pack and virtual instrument company soon called Anthem Falls Sound. Um, I'm guessing a lot of you who are listening um, are musicians or producers yourselves. Um, maybe not, but I think that's a good guess. Um, basically, these are resources for you to use and easily implement into your own recordings um, if, you f- if you find a fit, you know. Um, super excited about launching this and uh, seeing what you all do with those sounds in your own stuff. And by virtual instruments, I mean custom creating original sampled instruments on contact, Native Instruments contact, um, Logic's EXS24, 
and in Ableton's uh, sampler. So really versatile. Um, you can use one of those in essentially any um, DAW. And the first pack will actually be called Skylight, and it's audio that is entirely sourced from the Skylight album. I took lots of the layers, the drums, ambient parts, guitar parts, keys parts, etc., and and processed them, pitched them up, pitched them down. Um, everything was sent through cassette tape. Um, we distorted some stuff, sent it through pedals, um, all sorts of fun things. Um, sent stuff through my Tascam Porta Studio, so it has that authentic, uh, warm analog uh, lo-fi quality to it. Um, anyways, it's going to be fun. If you sign up for our email list at anthemfallsound.com in June, um, we'll send you a free pack, actually, and an instrument before the launch date. So you get some free stuff. Um, if you're interested in that, go to anthemfallsound.com and also link that as well. Hope you're all doing well, enjoying spring so far. Uh, Living in Minnesota, winters are long here. I don't think that's any secret. Uh, Felt especially long this year. Uh, It's finally warming up. Uh, Everyone's happier because of that. Literally everyone in the state of Minnesota gets happier in the spring here. It's crazy. But it's been wet. It's been a wet spring. My basement studio actually flooded a bit last week which sucked, but grateful that no gear got wrecked or anything. Just an old cheap bookshelf and still smells a little musty, but definitely could have been worse. Um, And it was several days worth of the fan going and the dehumidifier running. And because of that, I had to basically work away from my studio for for a week. So I was at my friend's house, coffee shops, the library, and I even had tracks to write and things to mix, Um, but I made it work. I had to. But uh, it made me realize how uh, mobile we are today um, as, as creatives, how mobile we have to be. Um, and, and, and also as a reminder of the, the importance of just being able to work with what you've got, uh, working with what you have um, and not worrying about what you don't have. Uh, the past couple of years, I've started... Uh, buying some analog synths here and there and a fair amount of pedals and other hardware and things but for years and years I couldn't afford any of that a lot of what I did or all of what I did basically was in the box on my laptop and even going back to when I was I first started as a teenager on a just super old desktop PC and no idea what I was doing but I just worked with what I had experimenting and trying things um, and, and even just like the space where you live and the if whether you have uh, a place to record or not. My wife and I were fortunate enough to be able to to buy a house here in Minneapolis three and a half years ago, and now I have a, a little home studio space set up. Nothing fancy, just a bedroom, but still, it's it's really incredible to have that, and I'm super grateful for that. But, I mean, before that, living in apartments, uh, in a corner of the bedroom, trying to record stuff, or even, like, the, for example, the first Elskavan album I wrote, Movements in Season, which I put out in 2012. That was when we were first in our first apartment together. Um, man, it was tiny and it was loud and extremely hot in the summer. Um, always smelled like a mix of the garbage dump across the street and our neighbor's skunky weed. That was it. But at the time, 
I mean, that was our place. That was our first place together. It was special. Um, not only that, but I wasn't thinking at that time, oh my gosh, this place is tiny and it's such a chore to take out a guitar because it's too small of a place to leave it out and it's loud. And, and no, I was thinking like, I got an album to write, you know? Uh, and this is where it's gonna happen. Uh, so let's go, you know, that's my, that was my mentality. Um, you know, working with what I had. And these days, there's, there's kids all over the world, all they've got is an iPhone or a tablet, an old laptop, whatever, and they're making uh, this incredible music. They're creating whole new genres, whole new cultures, really, and they've never stepped foot in a professional recording studio. They don't have tons of gear. They don't, they don't need it. And some of the, those artists are blowing up on Spotify or YouTube or whatnot. It's crazy. It's a level playing field now. Um, and, and at its core, I think it's a beautiful thing. I, I think it's, it's come back to the music itself. There's no longer these major gatekeepers. Nobody's waiting for an A&R rep to see them play live or needing some huge expensive radio campaign to see exposure. Um, listeners essentially are deciding what they want to listen to. We as music fans, we get to decide what we like, you know? Um, and it's all because I think um, at its core it's come back to the music, to the creative expression, you know? And, and don't get me wrong, I think gear and professional studio spaces, treated rooms, still very, very important, uh, very inspiring. I'm in no way writing off that side of things. Um, and recording studios, I still firmly believe in the value of what a room sounds like and, and working with producers or engineers if they can bring something special, something unique to your project, and it's the right fit. Absolutely, you know. Um, actually, I'm going to talk about um, later in this episode with when we dig into the song about um, a great sounding room and the, and what that brought to this song. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, nothing should hold you back as a creator. Nothing should hold us back as musicians or whatever you do. No lack of gear, um, lack of studio, lack of anything, because creatives all around the world now are writing, recording, just with what they got. You know, however much or little that is, and, and making incredible impacts, incredible music. So there's no excuses for us anymore, really. And, and sometimes on tough days, I wish there was. <laughs> but there's not. And ultimately, that's a good thing. There's no excuses. We need to write. We need to produce. We need to create. No matter what and no matter where. Deal? <laughs> All right. We can get off the soapbox now and dig into some music. Uh, this episode, we're going to look at the song Dusk Line Hills. I'm going to play it here in full. And then after, we will dissect the guts of it. So here it is off my latest Elskavan album, Skylight, Dusk Line Hills.
Okay, so first thing you hear is, of course, that uh, that beat come in right off the top. Um, the commercial music house I work part-time for, we used to be in this studio space in what's called the, the North Loop area in Minneapolis. And our our live room had such a great sound to it. Um, such a cool sound in that live room. That's, a lot of times after hours, I'd stay late. I'd go into that live room by myself, bring my laptop and interface, because I didn't want to be running back and forth to the control room to get levels and stuff. I just wanted to be able to be in that room, pull out some instruments, and just go, you know? So I did that early on with writing this album, um, and that's where this song started. I was just sitting at the drums and came up with this simple beat. Super simple, basic, Tom's driven beat. I was like, yep, I'm going to start a song that way. Uh, so I tracked that. Later on, I went into Ableton. Um, I mostly use Ableton for live show stuff just because I'm so comfortable with Logic at this point when I'm writing and recording. But sometimes I choose, I force myself to write in Ableton um, just for a different perspective, a different feel, different sound, see what happens, um, which can take me in a, in a direction I might not have uh, planned or expected. So I went into Ableton, laid down the MIDI information that matched that beat I came up with on the tom drums in the live room and started throwing different samples at that. I'll be honest, I don't remember any like agenda with these sounds. I just was kind of throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. And so I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six different tracks in Ableton here, kind of playing along with that opening beat. Um, on their own, a lot of these are not exactly engaging or what I was looking for. But as a whole, um, and then processed, and then mixed in with the acoustic drums, I, I love where it ended up. Um, it just I, When it's appropriate, I love layering things. I'm all about that. So that's what I did here. So I'll just kind of quickly go through these layers and these different kits I have in Ableton. Uh, first one is here. Okay, here's the second one. All right, here's the third. So that gave it a little more like kind of mechanical sound to it. Um, and I, this is what it sounds like dry. Right, and then so throw on some some delay, a little grit. You end up with that. This one is like a, a track of a bunch of tambourine samples. Okay, so I had some reverb on there, and then um, some Lexicon Room reverb. And then some isotope trash on there, which is like a distortion plugin. You can do lots of crazy things with that. So I'm just going to play it dry. Bunch of layers of tambourines here. And it sounds like almost like a conga there, probably too. And then with the effects back in. 
right? So that's like four or five samples all at once. Um, not quantize. I'm careful not to quantize too much um, a lot of time. Each hit is a little bit off from each other, a little bit off from the grid overall. Uh, next we have a, just a drum rack here doing this. Sounds like some sort of like wood crunch type thing. And then the last one is the interesting one. So basically what this is, is um, I pulled up a drum rack in Ableton um, and I took the, uh, a sample of like these like wind chimes. Threw that in a few different spots on the drum rack. Um, and then what you can do is like just pick the start and end points um, of that loop. So when so I played the the MIDI information from the beat actually. So when you hear like a, a kick snare type thing in one of the other tracks, um, it's that same timing MIDI information. So it gives it that um, rhythmic element. But it then it is the MIDI then is triggering just that little piece of that whole overall chimes sample. Does that make sense? So it it it's obviously there's a rhythmic element to it. So it kind of like lives well with the overall beat, but um, obviously it's just its very own sound. It's not like clearly percussion drums sounds happening there. So maybe I can actually play you like part of the full um, like chimes sample here. So you can kind of hear. And that's also got trash on it, isotope trash, and then like sounds like a tremolo. This is just dry. That's just the chime sample dry, right? And then I had that tremolo, give it that. So then going back to the, the track itself where I had it. Right? So it's it's triggering almost random parts. Uh, and, and just like half a second or whatever I chose. But each each MIDI note triggers a different kind of random part of that full chimes sample. Does that make sense? Um, so let me play everything all together, everything I did in Ableton with that, um, that beat, that MIDI information. Sounds like this. So I took those, exported them out, brought them into my um, main Logic mix here. I'll play you the acoustic drum beat again. All right, and then you bring in those layers. That's where we ended up. So that's clearly the like highlight of the, the intro. Uh, but there's some other goodies, some other things happening behind it. We have this. This synth just kind of like establishing the root key of the song. 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it dry here. So this is what it was. It's from it's from a absinthe patch. So that's what it is dry. Then I actually put um, guitar rig on it. The plugin ends up here. So there's like a delay ring mod thing on there. Peak filter that has like an LFO kind of tweaking the peak filter there that you can hear. So for those of you, if, if you don't know what Guitar Rig is, it's a plugin by Native Instruments um, that is targeted for, for guitars. There's um, guitar amp emulation and then uh, just tons of effects on there. And I do use it for guitar here and there, um, but I actually use it a ton on lots of other things. Um, synths, samples vocals, um, whatever. Sometimes you get really interesting results that I might not um, get with more uh, quote-unquote standard plugins or effects. A lot of times I use it and just accidentally fall on something that I think is cool. So I tend to jump to it here and there when I don't want to like think ahead too far. I just kind of want to like find some happy accidents on something. Um, so that's what I did with this one. Um, and then there's another one instance of the synth doing this. Same synth, and then just a different guitar rig patch on this one. So clearly a little different. There's a more like basic tremolo effect, delay, spring reverb. So that's all behind the drum beat. that subtle melody in the background there's there's a fender roads happening but then there's this which is this is called a, a honer pianet t which is an electromechanical keyboard, it's called, um, that you you plug into an amp. There's no built-in speakers or like acoustic amplification at all, other than like the subtle sounds of hitting the keys. Um, but of course, that's what you're supposed to do. So I didn't do that. <laughs> I recorded it as is. Um, I didn't plug it into anything. So that's why you hear the actual sound of me pressing the keys down as much as, if not more than, the actual like tonal melody itself. Um, I did that very purposely. I, I love that kind of like mechanical sound. So back in the mix, sounds like this again. So then the drums kind of fade out here. We're going to a, a new section here. And this is where you start to hear some, uh, some weird crap. So as I was pulling up the session, I was reminded that this song was probably my weirdest I've written. <laughs> or at least parts of it get pretty weird. Uh, when I released Skylight, it had, been, it had been over three years since my last album, and I've always been one to just try things as I'm writing, as I'm producing. 
But with Skylight, I just took that to a whole new level, at least for me. Um, and Duskline Hills is definitely a prime example of that. So if you listen to the first episode, you know I, I recorded a small snippet of myself just talking and then literally just talking in a mic and then processing those vocals and putting it in the mix. I did that again here, uh, did it a couple times and made it uh, clearly more obvious um, and longer. Definitely a different feel to it. So here's the first batch of those weird trippy vocals that we're doing. So creepy. Nightmares, right? Here's what I did. So <laughs> I found the original track here. I'm just going to play part of it. With the glory on the line, traveling hearts bloom on sight. All these daydreams live in your honest smile without lies. We are running first. We ain't looking back. Falling dirt. Courage hurts. So I, <laughs> I didn't remember what I was saying there. So I played that back. So I, it sounds like I actually was um, reading lyrics from this uh, Boryork song. Boryork is my is a like an indie synth pop project with my wife. Um, and then just kind of reading them weird like that on purpose. So there's like a little over 60 seconds of that, of me kind of just reading those lyrics like that. I took the audio and then just chopped it up like crazy. There's got to be at least 100 chopped up audio bits here. Then I highlighted all those clips um, and uh, and sent them to the Logic Sampler, the EXS24. And you can do that really quickly. Um, and it's rough, but it's quick. You just hit Control E if you're a Logic person like me. Um, it'll it'll make this new MIDI track for you, new sampler track. It'll take the 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 regions that you had highlighted when you click that um, and turn it into a, a new you know MIDI sampler track. So then what I did with that, once I had that, with all the clips, I just started playing random notes on my MIDI keyboard. And it sounded like this. So I recorded two different instances of that. Um, so completely random, separate from each, very different from each other. Um, obviously, when I'm just hitting random keys like that, bounce them down to audio. So now I have two tracks of audio of those kind of like random vocals. So let me play them here. They sound like this before I did any effects or processing. Then I took those two tracks, did some pitching, some formant pitching, um, editing, some, I've got like pedal guitar effects emulation here, some EQ, um, a bus send us a hall reverb here, some filtering, and then they ended up like this in the track. So I'm gonna play those in context of the mix here again. So that is weird, but we had to get weirder. Uh, I have these three tracks 
that come in a little bit after that. Uh, just dry, they sound like this. Okay, so almost sort of like this lazy, subtle beatbox type thing, sort of. Uh, kind of to a tempo rhythm, but not really. Just sort of hinting at it more so. Did some formant pitching again with these. Some intense filtering, reverb, and a noise gate, which gives it this, this glitch feel. And they ended up like this. And then all of that together in the mix. Sometimes I forget how unique the human voice is and how uh, creative you can get with it. Just trying things, experimenting um, effects, whatnot. It just brings this, it's the, it's the only instrument that's truly, truly unique. Nobody else has your voice, nor will they ever have your voice. Um, it's just this built-in thing that is absolutely unique. So I try to come back to it and, and, and experiment more each time, each album, and just try new things. Definitely did that here with this song. So underneath all that, we I've got some strings, um, some subtle piano kind of improvisations you can hear there. And then we have a swell up here that goes to this new section and kind of Kind of like the main B section or like building section, I call it. And one of my favorite parts of this song is actually one of the first uh, elements of the song that I came up with after that initial drum beat is this. It's the Native Instruments Retro Machines. So if you have contact or if you have complete, you should have that. Um, and then I kind of messed with panning, automation. I kind of messed with there's a tape delay on there. But I just loved the, the crunchy, warbly, um, lo-fi quality to that. Loved it. I knew early on this would be a big part of the song. Um, and I, there is some in the early part of the song, or before this section, um, but it comes in more fully here for this build section. Just playing a very basic repetitive part with the chords. So this whole section just builds, builds, builds till the very end. But let's look at some of the elements of it. Got a, so I've got a very basic beat, very simple, that comes in a progression or two in. Starts with this. And then a little bit or halfway in, it, it comes in with acoustic drums. 
that I filtered, did some like intense filtering here. You can hear the resonance peak. I kept that on the acoustic drums for this part. Compression reverb tape saturation. And you can hear that cymbal wash there too. I just had kind of like rode the ride cymbal there. You hear that resonance peak there near the end when we swell up to the very end. I'll play it in the mix here. So it's pretty subtle in the mix, if you can hear here. That cymbal swell and the filter resonance on, on the drums bus. Uh, there's also tambourine in there. There's like a tambourine mixed with like a side stick thing on the drums, I think. So that's kind of builds, or that's kind of like the the drums percussion. Um, and then I also had this like big explosion impact sound <laughs> near the near the end to kind of coincide with the kick. Give it that Hans Zimmer touch, you know? I like to just pick out certain things like that once in a while. And you put it back in the mix, you know, if you don't make it too obvious, um, it just kind of adds this, this intensity level to it that I thought was cool. All right, and then other parts of this build section, uh, we have this um, electric piano part, it sounds like. But clearly there's some like, I don't remember exactly what. This was in Ableton, it has like delay, um, it sounds like on there. And I might have just been kind of like improvising, playing random notes in the key. There's electric guitar. Playing kind of swells, but you can hear I kind of took my my volume pedal there, and they weren't like clean swells. That was purposeful. I was doing sort of random, um, kind of jolty swells, just to give a different feel. It felt like that was in the character of this song, you know, to have something that wasn't so um, pure rhythmically um, or wasn't so clean with the swells. I even had like a, a, a sampled. Uh, like church choir playing the chords um, on this one. I hardly ever use choir samples in my recordings. Sometimes I do for demoing things out, but rarely for my actual recordings. I just, uh, they always sound fakey to me, or at least I can rarely get them to a place I like. Um, but here I sent them through a, a pedal board emulation, uh, delay effect, some fil obviously like some uh, aggressive filtering. Um, it just felt really good in the mix for me. Um, so I kept it. Bottom line with anything should not be, should I do this or should I not do this? Does it sound good? Does it benefit the song? Does it benefit the recording? Um, I try to live and die by that, you know? Not by what I think I should use or shouldn't use or do, you know? Um, I've heard Pharrell Williams literally uses stock logic drums, stock logic samples. Um, Pharrell goes back to that. 
working with what you got, you know, because obviously I'm sure Pharrell can only afford stock logic stuff, right? <laughs> but hey, if someone like that uses the simplest of stuff um, and kind of like just rolls with what he thinks sounds good, what makes us think we shouldn't be able to just work with what we got, you know? Does it sound good? That's the bottom line. I thought the janky sample logic stock church choir sounded good in the mix, so I kept it. Anyways, I digress. Vocals. I have some of those trippy vocals at the beginning of this build section still, but then I also had some more, I guess, standard vocals uh, happening here as well. I, I go a, a bit more in-depth with my uh, usage of vocals in all Skavon songs in the first episode of the podcast, um, in the Skylight episode. But here I'll play these vocals that are part of the, the build section. Nothing too out of the ordinary here. EQ compression, tape delay, and a big hall reverb. That's pretty much it. For those in the mix, they sound like this. Keeps building towards this end climax here. For the outro, you're just gonna hear basically roads and and vocals. There's two there's two roads tracks here, and then that vocal track that just sort of fades away slowly. And that's that. Yeah, so I hope you all enjoyed that little trip we took there. Um, if there's any uh, songs in particular from the rest of this album that you'd like for me to dig into on the next couple of episodes, definitely feel free to to let me know. Uh, like I said, this has been this has been fun going back into these these sessions that I haven't looked at in a while and kind of being reminded of the things. I did and the decisions I made as I was writing, as I was uh, producing. I make decisions on the fly, really, as as I I write, record, mix, kind of all at once. That's sort of my method, at least. So again, really quick, if you're interested, uh, in the show notes, there's a link for ordering a uh, Skylight vinyl record. Um, I'm also going to link to anthemfallssound.com, where you can sign up for the email list for our soon-to-be-launched sample pack and virtual instrument company. Um, we'll send you some free stuff before we launch. If you do that, uh, and that's it for episode two. I appreciate you all very, very much. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Say hi, whether you're a musician or not. I love hearing your feedback. Um, I love listening to your music as well. Definitely fun to connect with other musicians, other creatives. Uh, I'm such a firm believer in being teammates with each other in our creative endeavors. Uh, I think that's so important, so valuable. But until next time, 
Take care, you guys. Um, and here it is again in its entirety, Duskline Hills. Thank you.